welcome back to the live viewers and the wonderful listeners out there in podcast land to Sudden But Inevitable, the sci-fi rewatch podcast dedicated to single-season space westerns that were canceled too soon. Again, just to clarify, that's not all we watch, but that's, that's most of what we watch. I, of course, am your host, Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Jesse, and with me, as always this week, is my co-host and very longtime friend, Josh. Josh, how are you doing this week, my friend? I'm, uh, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm doing great. It's, it's my favorite day of the week. Well, I don't know, man. This week, it's probably my second favorite day because I don't know if you guys watched the latest episode of Book of Boba Fett or, as I like to call, The Mandalorian Season 3 prequel, um, but it was incredible um and yes i agree with Ouchmouth over there it was a very awesome hat very very great hat. i was there when you bought that hat yes and um it was very expensive if i recall <laughs> there is a whole story associated with that hat and josh is not kidding it was expensive um my wife worth it my long-suffering wonderful beautiful wife likes to remind me periodically that it was about <laughs> equivalent to a car payment so uh, when That's you go awesome. to the Renaissance Festival looking for a hat, don't drink before you find the haberdasher because that guy will zero in on you. Just look, we'll tell the story later. Anyways. Yeah, no, but it's great. It's, you know, yeah. it's, it's, we're all wearing some, some fun hats today. I think, I think we got some fun hats, but I did want to, I am, I'm in a different location. I am out on the road. I am traveling at the moment. So I have a good friend that has, graciously allowed me to use her her living room to podcast and i am very grateful for that um but that's why things might be a little weird on my end i might skip a little bit at some point in time i'm using a kind of an old computer so like bear with me if things are a little wonky today just it's okay <laughs> a little wonky is probably one of the nicer ways that our show has been described in the past and yes we do have to say hello really quickly to every wonderful person in our live chat that would be rona that would be callie that would be angelus that would be Ouchmouth, who of course is cameron from the green shirt podcast the newbies trek through the next generation and just remember that phrasing right there because really quickly before we mention that again i don't know how to describe this next person i have some very good news i'm going to introduce you to possibly the most ecstatic person that we know and of course i'm talking about Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Welcome to Sudden But Inevitable. How are you doing this week? I am high energy right now. That's how I'm doing. Lots of excitement. Lots going on. Happy to be here. I also brought a silly hat. It's not quite as silly as yours, but uh, I do have another one. It just kind of interferes with my headphones. Oh. So... <laughs> I've got a bad-looking Viking hat with another hat hanging off of it. That's an accident. Live chat. Sound off. So, yeah. Hat talk. <laughs> well, I feel like that, that hat that you have on the spike, on the horn of a Viking hat, is like your trophy. Yes. You know what I mean? I, I brought like, multiple wardrobe changes for our hat night. Who did you kill to get that hat that uh, you hang off of your Some random GameStop horn. employee. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> in like 2007, no less. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a relic at this point in more ways than one. <laughs> I have to just really quickly spotlight this, a hat on a hat, a literal hat on a hat. Our friend Cameron 
is probably one of the sharpest viewers that we have. Now, I could say that about all of our viewers, but Cameron is here specifically, I think, to support Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D and his choice in hats. I think that's pretty obvious. Thank now, in case that weren't enough reason for our friend Cameron to be in the live chat this week, there is one more person that I would like you all to meet. Now, I and my friend Josh have both met this gentleman before because we have both guested on the aforementioned Green Shirt podcast. Of course, I can't be talking about Cameron because he's in the live chat. So who am I talking about? Well, I'm not talking about Marcy, who was on our Logan's Run episode, but I am talking about another member of their crew, the quietest member of their episodes, if you will. And that, of course, is producer John T. Bolds. Producer John T. Bolds, welcome to Sudden But Inevitable. How are you doing this week, my friend? I'm doing great. I've been teaching robots how to work all week, so now it's nice to be here with some real people. <laughs> um, yeah, at least two of us. And and that's the thing about Sudden But Inevitable. We get real people together. We get robots together. We get people from all different countries together. I'm not even joking anymore. There are people in our chat from Germany, Scotland, um, as far away as California, the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of people that come from just all over the world to listen to Sudden But Inevitable. And I really quickly have to throw this out there, you guys. This has been our biggest month for downloads ever. And I have to say thank you so much to those people out there in podcast land who download and listen every week. You don't have to do that. You don't have to spend the time with us, just like the folks here in the live chat don't have to spend their morning or evening or afternoon with us. And for you to choose to do that week after week is just, it's really, really cool. And for more of you to be choosing to do that as time goes on, it makes me a little bit emotional. So rather than me just falling apart immediately. I love this from, from Callie. Is this, so is this the entire green shirt crew that has been here then? I'm collecting them all. <laughs> now, <laughs> we're going to take on the podcast masters with the green shirt crew in our pockets. There is at least one more member of the green shirt crew that I think we could get on. Maybe two. I don't, I think it would take a lot of convincing to get Rob. What do you think, producer John? It would take a lot of convincing to get Rob. I could probably, uh, you know, for better lack of a better term, I could probably twist his arm. Um, uh, uh, those who haven't listened to <clears throat> Green Shirt and Newbie Struck to the Next Generation know that he and I are in, in uh, what he likes to think of as a competition for who is the alpha on the show. <laughs> I generously let him think that it's a competition at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I win in my sleep every episode, but, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta keep the, uh, hosts happy. Um, you know, if you really, really were a completionist and were able to get the rare foil Alex Grantham from season one of Green Shirt on, oh, man. that would be the full deck. And yeah, you'd be you'd be just racking up wins then. I need my peep wait, your people to talk wait, we have the same people. People need to start talking to each other. But to your point, I'm a huge fan of Green Shirt. I'm not just saying that. I've actually listened to every episode of your show. So I, and because Rob isn't here to do anything about it, I think you're totally right, dude. Like, I, I've, I've heard every episode. I'm just throwing that out there. I would also like to say hello to our very good friend Phil in the live chat. Look at yes. that gorgeous avatar that man is employed. Isn't that just? Right, let me get my hat. I'll be right back. Stylish. Oh, our friend <laughs> Phil John was, uh, is going to go get a hat. Phil was on Quest Me last night. It was he just was. me and Phil. Uh, Justin couldn't make it, but it was it was awesome. It was a really good it was show. Like a little tiny concert yeah. yeah and i was like when i first started i was like yeah this is only gonna last like 45 minutes an hour i don't know but no fucking phil is a wealth of knowledge in the nerd realm 
and I could not appreciate him more for being my co-host yesterday on the fly. Yeah. I was like, hey, man, I know you just got in the room, but this is what's up. So here we go. Well, and, <laughs> and it was great. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D has always said that Phil is the biggest nerd, as in the smartest one of all of us, right? He's the greatest collector of knowledge. Right. And I feel if you go back and listen to last night's episode of Quest Me, whether you watch it at youtube.com slash Podcast or you listen to it on your favorite podcast catcher, just search Quest Me, I think that you will find that Phil has proven himself to definitely be that person. So, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I can say that because I was in the chat um, trying to rile Josh up, as I am frequently in the in the Quest Me chat. Now, <laughs> I <laughs> it's it's because my daughter goes to sleep at about the same time Josh starts that show, and there's sometimes I have to be running an errand, and it's just like I have just enough time to slide into the comments and be like, "Here's something snarky." So slides into those DMs and he's not nice about it. He's not like flirting with me. He's just he's like, hey, so about Star Trek. I'm never that bad, honestly. I'm when I'm never worse than when I'm there. Let me put it that way. (laughs) So now our friend John, producer John T. Bolds, has donned perhaps the silliest hat of the evening. Would you like to explain what's up with that silly hat there, John? So uh, I work in a uh, more industrial type setting and there are different levels of safety hat there's the classic hard hat which i wore in my last life in the uh, oil and gas industry and then there's something called a bump cap which it's just a little hard shell that fits inside a baseball cap anybody who uh is a fan of the sandlot will recognize that the brim on this thing is ridiculously long <laughs> i ordered it i put it on i was like nope <laughs> that doesn't work so now i have this bump cap sitting around that I will wear in the privacy of my own shop at home, but will not wear onto a shop floor because this is ridiculous and also very hot. Yeah, that kid's hat was like huge in the sandlot. (laughs) My goodness. Uh, If that were a sci-fi movie, man, we would totally watch that next season here on Sudden But Inevitable, but... We could make it a sci-fi movie. And that that dog, that adds a little bit of sci-fi element. Build a robot. You know what? Yeah. We've already had a negative review. Well, that's I was going to say recently, but that's not true. That was like in July. We just didn't know about it because it was from Canada. Um, but Man, you were still burnt about it. Was that. it even negative, though? It wasn't know, even that's, negative. That's my favorite part about it is that it was actually pretty polite, considering. It was, because you know, I'm Canadian. As you read through it, you can tell that person was getting less and less angry. Like, they started out really furious, and they went, eh, it's, I'm not that mad, so... And and no, and I honestly, I appreciated it because I think we had a, so much fun with that last week. Honestly, it was it was totally worth it. So, um, and there are a lot of folks in the indie podcasting world that say, do you, ha- you, you, do, you haven't made it until you get your first negative review. <laughs> so you guys, we've totally made it. I mean, we've interviewed celebrities. We've, we've won contests. We've, you know, we're award-winning podcasts. But now, yes, now we have made it. So since we have, and Josh, I know you're far away, but you are... Le producer extraordinaire, I try. you know, out, outside of John. And, Sometimes. and yeah, I'm not that good. <laughs> so if you don't mind, <laughs> don't if, let you me could fool give you. Us, if you could give us the synopsis. Shit, I can't. Ricky, can you give Ricky it? <laughs> I'm going to bloviate for one moment while Ricky D looks up a synopsis for this week's episode, episode four of Cowboy Bebop Kalisto Soul. And while Ricky D does that, I'm going to actually ask our friend producer John T. Bolds Really quickly, man, a couple minutes, three minutes max. 
tell us about your experience with the original Cowboy Bebop. How did you first come across that? Have you ever seen it before? Are you a fan of the anime? What's the deal with John T. Bolds? So I first heard about Cowboy Bebop a few years ago. That's it. <laughs> That's it? I've never watch seen it? the anime. What? I uh nope, That's never so have cool. seen the anime. I have seen very, very few animes actually. So um, you know, I'm sure I could set some people off being like, Well, I saw Avatar the Last Airbender. No. Like, I'm sure I could set more people off being seeing like, Well, I saw the movie. Um oh, but yes. <laughs> but no, I, did, I I have I'm very, very limited on my um anime viewing, and so I am judging the live action show based purely on the merits of the live action show. So very, this cool. will be um, a little bit of an alternate take from the guests that I've heard so far. So, well, and this will be, I think you're our first guest that's never seen the anime. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure from what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. And, and I will probably be comparing this more to Firefly than I will obviously the anime because that is, the the closest metric I have as far as a space western. So that's yeah. excellent to hear. And if I may, my friend Josh has he's made a campaign, a small campaign, but a campaign nonetheless, that we go back through Firefly in a future season of Sudden But Inevitable, but watch it out of order the way that it was broadcast on television. <laughs> um, I still want to do it. We still need to do the live reading of Dead or Alive also. Right, which is a an unproduced episode for those of you not in the know, as the cool kids say. Now, <laughs> here's the thing about that. I think that might make the Brown Coast hate us, Josh, because that would just be like opening the exact wound that I was trying to heal by introducing you to the show. But I'm not ruling it out 100%. But that's like maybe, maybe, fun, though. maybe we'll get there now. We start some I might cancel that season halfway through, too. Just, just FYI. <laughs> well, and that's... I mean, that's... The, do we watch only, what, 10 episodes? Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. If you don't mind, give us the synopsis for Kalisto's Soul. Absolutely. Uh, just real quick, Angelus in the chat threw out his own uh, synopsis. Tree-hugging hippies get on the wrong side of Faye Valentine. Not inaccurate. And uh, I'll read the one on IMDb. When a group of eco-terrorists screw up her attempted shakedown, Faye enlists Spike and Jet to help her bring them in for a bounty. Okay. Now, I have strong feelings about this episode. I know Josh and Ricky have strong feelings about this episode for a lot of reasons, right? Um, Not the least of which being this is our first Faye-centric episode, and those of us who have seen the series are kind of waiting for a Faye-centric episode. Because that's not you know, unexpected. And because we have a guest, why did we not graciously allow our guest to go first? So producer John, give me a quick recap of how you have felt in your watch of this series up to this point. Okay. So you've seen episode one, two, and three. How are you feeling going into episode four? I'm feeling more optimistic after episode three, because episodes one and two were bad. Um, I am not surprised based on that pilot episode. And I do have a firm rule that I've followed for a lot, a lot of my life. I will not judge a TV show based on its pilot episode. That said, I haven't had to, uh, employ that rule in about 10 years since the, you know, really golden age of TV started and prestige TV started and streaming TV started. Um, but that was a rough pilot. 
it was uh, I described it to Cam Outchmouth in the chat as it was like it was played back at eighty percent speed, and not being a fan, uh, you know, not knowing Cowboy Bebop at all, the music is incredibly off-putting. It is it is jarring. It is hard to it Where is did you very find this it, guy, Jesse. Yeah, <laughs> it pulls me out of scenes as we're getting into action, um, which I think might be why I do like this fourth episode so much, is there's so little jazz and so little bebop in it. Oh but, man, that's that's um, really disappointing to hear. Josh. <laughs> Let producer John speak. <laughs> and so but episode three definitely i was like all right they are hitting their stride finally we're, we're starting to to get into a little bit of a groove here so i was much more optimistic going into episode four um than i was going into episode two so i find that super super interesting because the dna like the essence of the show in the title of the show cowboy bebop for a lot of us is like like that was all we needed was the bebop and the cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. So to hear you say that about the music is interesting, and I have a question based on that because our very, very loyal good friend Josh <laughs> at Twist My Arm Cast, <laughs> the first time he saw Firefly went, okay, the music is a little bit like, okay, we're cowboys in space, right? <laughs> like it's a country song in front of a space television show. And so our, our first episode ever actually is called Jarring in 2000 because that's how Josh felt about the theme song for Firefly. And I think what we ended up landing on for that was, okay, that was the first time we had ever seen fi- um, genre mix-up be so blatant, right? With, with a genre go, here's the space, here's the Western. Like, yeah. l- like literally do that. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. it was... It, to Josh's point, it could be jarring. So it's really interesting to me that you would single that piece out as like it's taking you out of it because I almost feel like music of a different style than what you expect is baked into a lot of Westerns anymore, but I'm not, it's specifically a space Western, right? Like not just Westerns, but I'm not begrudging you that point. I just, I think it's interesting that you and Josh kind of had a similar hangup right at the start of these series. And I bet you Josh forgot about that until I said that, didn't you, Josh? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I kind of. But like, <laughs> I, I do remember it. <laughs> I did, now that you say it, I do remember it being a little off-putting at first. But then like, for me, the further along I went, the more comfortable I got with it and the more I appreciated it just because of how different it was well and from you know <laughs> now i'm reading i, I will say for uh for firefly to cowboy bebop uh bebop it's been a long road getting from there to here Ugh. and anybody who's a real star trek fan will understand how jarring that music was yes when the season when the first season of enterprise aired so i i definitely understand like cannot just judge purely just like oh i don't like this style of music so i don't like it in this show that's right that's not what it is it is um it's it is striking and jarring it is it's striking and it's hard to it's like oh we got an action scene coming up and then we have very discordant um untempoed un un the energy of the music doesn't match what's going on on screen to me um but that's to me you know that's right. that <sighs> is you know, but I, guess, I am a viewer of this without having seen the anime. Right. And so as somebody who, you know, it's like, oh, I might have turned this off after the first episode. 
and not gone on. Right? You know, I probably, I guess it's probably Jesse's fault because, like, you know, he he loves the show so much and he always speaks so highly of it and gives me such good points. And I'm like, you know what? That does make sense. And then I start to like it a little bit more, you know? <laughs> I start to see the good in things more. So I need said, to talk to you more about this, John, so I can see the the bad in it. <laughs> you're saying you like things against your will? <laughs> oh, wait, that's the point of our show. No, but, but really, though, I th- I think over time, especially in the anime version of Bebop, I think over time the music started to click more. Like, it started to get more fluent with motions, you know, that people were making. And, like, it, it was kind of like – it just went with, with the show a little bit more, I guess. And with the live action, to me, I thought, I don't know, man. The, whole, the music for the whole series has been good, but that's also – Maybe because I just watched the anime and really, really enjoyed that music. Yep. Yeah. So there, there are. I was worried that I would have to come on and sort of um, clear your guys's rose-colored <laughs> lenses and your glasses. But uh, and listening to the first three episodes, I'm like, oh, their lenses are deeply scarlet. We're we're way past the rose season here, <laughs> so uh, this is going to be fun. Well, and I I believe I have said before. On the I appreciate show, like, it though because I don't think we've seen anyone. <laughs> no, we haven't had anyone come in to give us a different kind of opinion. We haven't had anyone come in and give us their like, you know. Maybe not so much hateful opinion, but just a different perspective on the show because we do have very scarlet covered glasses. We are very much in love with the show, all three of us. And you could almost say that we would bleed tears of scarlet. But, <laughs> yeah. But I also have tried to make it a point to say, I think every episode, maybe just the first couple of episodes, that I am far from pretending that the series is objectively perfect i am i'm oh yeah i'm not that kind of fan i am the kind of fan that sees unmitigated vitriol and pissiness and whininess directed at a thing that i think you can tell people poured love into and goes okay i'm willing to be the person not doing that and and i'm i'm not here to tell you you better be nice john because the reason (laughs) like i said the reason that we have to bring on and i said this and i believe the first episode we have to bring on guests that are going to not feel the same way that we do because otherwise the show is going to be the same every episode where we go, oh, guys, remember that thing I loved about everything every time, <laughs> which is great for us, but it's not necessarily the kind of thing that somebody wants to listen to necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bad storytelling. And you know how right. I know that? Because I watched the live action Cowboy Bebop and I know what bad storytelling is. Oh, I thought it was that you were going to say it's because you've watched... <laughs> the next generation week by week for five oh, yeah. years straight with camera. Yeah. And and there's bad storytelling can... there too. <laughs> <laughs> My point being, but no, I was just, yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, I've, I, you know, I've been a film and TV guy, my entire childhood and adult life. So, um, you know, I, I do intend to be very level about this. I don't have, I had completely zero feeling about cowboy bebop when I started it. I went in completely neutral. I knew people that I like liked it. And that was it. So that is the that is where I started from getting into the series. And I can respect that a lot because yeah. you're you're forming your own opinion. You're not just like going into a podcast and like kind of being like, Yeah, this is cool and then having some guy just blast at you how awesome everything is. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and it's also not that you have some kind of axe to grind like they ruined my favorite anime by adapting it into a new thing or like, yeah, right. I'm mad at them for attempting a space Western. Which I would you like know, to get a guest like that eventually. Mm, I probably wouldn't. 
But <laughs> be like, what's your problem? <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, Josh, all of our episodes are booked, and that person is not amongst them. So <sighs> I would like to say I I appreciate what John is saying about uh, he's looking at it with kind of neutrality neutrality because Josh and I very recently became huge fans of the anime. Jesse, I imagine his love of the anime got renewed last season because I imagine you probably haven't watched it for a while. So we are kind of in a position to have some rose-colored lenses about this. So I can Mm -hmm. completely agree with all of that that you're saying. Well, and I mean, to be 100% fair, right? The (laughs) point of the show is to get Josh and Ricky to watch stuff that they're initially resistant to. And right. and this season doesn't really have that dynamic. This season just has it's a little different. We we loved this show, and it's kind of our new Firefly. And we're like, dude, are you serious? Like three weeks? Come on! Like so, there is there is a different dynamic to our show this season. And I think to that point, we we have to have you here, John T. Bolds. And I have spent literal time with John T. Bolds, and despite. What everything he has said so far, I'm totally kidding. I actually really like John T. Bowles. I like everybody at Green Shirt. If you go listen oh, thanks, to man. my episodes, it's me being like, "You guys, thank you for having me. I love Star Trek. I love you. I love your show." Like, I, it's a little bit. I don't know if it's over saccharine, but it's 100 percent genuine. So, let's jump into this episode, okay? So, I have to say, this scene. Uh, it clearly inspired the opening scene inspired all the hats that we had this evening maria murdoch shows up she's an eco-terrorist she has a very fine hat game this woman can wear purple all day long and and the sense of style that she has is great i really love how frustrated she is all the time john i don't know if you listened to any of our season two episodes if you didn't i'm not going to hold it against you but we speculate that this character may have actually been the inspiration for mom on futurama because she's oh, okay. so okay. like, I have three bumbling idiot children. I'm a bit of a oh, crazy old a lady, and <laughs> like, ah. she's got a lot of money. She's in charge of stuff. Cowboy Bebop is that old that it was before Futurama? By a year, it came out by oh, a year okay. before Futurama, at least in the states, which I think means it would have been in production at least two or three years prior to Futurama with traditional wow, animation. Okay. So okay. I, you know what, I'm on board with that theory. Absolutely. That that makes great sense. That energy sense. was extreme in this episode. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. That is. Yeah. That excellent. is. That is absolutely the closest parallel. That's a great point. Thank you very much. I love when people say that to me, even if they don't mean it. But I can tell that you do mean it. <laughs> now, another question that is asked genuinely in our chat says, "Is that a Fay Funko Pop that I see behind you, Jesse?" It is, Angelus. I just oh, nice. found out that this thing is worth way more money than it was when I bought it. I got it for nine ninety five. And uh, it's sitting at like $95 right nice. now in the wow, nice. collector app. Um, I don't have Spike. I don't have Jet. I do have L from Death Note um, and the entire TNG crew. Anyways, you guys, this isn't a show <laughs> and tell. Let's talk about this. Um, what were what, what we talking about? Oh, yeah, Maria Murdoch. She's mom from Futurama. I love this scene mostly because those of us who have seen Bebop, we know we're about to get a face scene, right? Those of us who haven't seen Bebop, what were you thinking here? Like, okay, very like weird. Like, what are all these details? What's going on here? How did you feel about Faye's? This is sort of the introduction to who Faye really is, right? Because we've met her before, but this is where you get some detail on her. So, what did you think about her character up to this point, John? So, I I appreciated her as as kind of a um, I would say a, 
a bit of a River Tam analog, but done so much better and so much more tolerably. Um, you know, River Tam is her own character and and that, but but it's nice to see um, somebody going with a, a trauma plot who's also very capable in their life still while also having that kind of trauma plot going along. Um, so I do think Faye is the shining star of this series. And so that is definitely why I requested this. This is one of my, my three picks for an episode to guest on. Um, she, she absolutely breathes the life into the series. And I think that I'll also, I'll, I say that she brings so much to this show in this episode. Um, but also having casting somebody like Adrian Barbeau as, uh, as the main villain, I was like, man, a classic, classic, you know, somebody who I've seen a lot growing up in movies and TV, just, just very much a, I don't know about, not necessarily a femme fatale, but definitely very tied into sci-fi as, as the, uh, the female, you know, lead character, object of desire, what, whatever, but Adrian Barbo definitely still bringing in just chewing the scenery more than vicious ever could. I have to agree with that, and and I really think that it, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna push you, man. Go watch the anime because th- this. Oh, I yeah. When this is all said and done, I'm going to absolutely. Yeah, it, I just wanted to not before this. Oh, yeah, man, we're gonna have to bring you back when you're done with that too, because I would love to hear your perspective watching it backwards, quote unquote. Right? Yeah. I, I it it warms my heart to hear you say that because this scene, like this intro scene, everything up to when we get our theme music in this first scene is some of my favorite parts of the live action bebop the i'm sorry the turn people into a tree grenade yeah yeah (laughs) not just turn people into a tree but it's like wow that is brutal graphically turning somebody into a tree like that that is one i'm I'm glad it was on streaming because like man they could not have gone as far as they did with that transformation scene organs uh, popping on network tv yeah (laughs) It's like, oh, her head just exploded open. All right. Wow. Um, But no, I think I do. I really find no fault with that whole opening sequence. Like, yeah, like Faye getting ready. The immediate smash cut to her confronting the the cryo employee. Him not quite denying that he's a virgin. Um, (laughs) Dude. (laughs) But not absolutely not denying the lonely opera loving parts of it. I feel like that guy looked like Ryan Johnson, by the way. A little bit. Ugh, get over it, freaking Star Wars fans! Do you, do you yes. not know that I can mute him now? Is Josh unaware of that? <laughs> All right, go ahead, John. But yeah, I do like that the magic flute has survived. How many? What year is this supposed to be? Uh, so like twenty one seventy something. I believe the original series is twenty seventy one or twenty seventy seven, and they kind of bumped that because in the originals in the anime they're like you know we have space and you know space gates and spaceships and when they made this they went dude that's in 50 years there's no way we're getting there in 50 years in our current yeah, rate I, like yeah. let's give at least okay i was yeah i was like years, man yeah. some of this technology is thousands of years of work it, it, <laughs> like yeah. yeah but i i'm, I'm not gonna like that's i'm not gonna nitpick about that it's a sci-fi show if they really care you know if i want really 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 accurate space physics i'll go watch the expanse so I have heard that repeatedly, and I haven't seen any of it, and it's over now, and I've never seen a spoiler for it. So I'm like actually a little bit excited because I think I could watch all of the Expanse in like, oh, I don't know how long it would take, but if I had some time off, I think I could like 
crush it. And I think it'll yeah, be fun. And I'm just about to finish the last book, and that's when I'm going to start watching the show. So, Ooh. But I have heard that it's very, very accurate. But I love the books. Our love And them. i got to say, I'm really proud. Our Cowboy Bebop superfan Phil in the chat confirms they did indeed tack on 100 years versus the anime. So thank you for okay. confirming that, Phil. I appreciate that. Thank you, Chad. And yeah, it was one of those, like, like I said, they probably went, spaceships in 50 years? I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like 100 I, isn't even pushing it, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know what? It's science fiction, so it's okay. I'm gonna take a really quick moment to say if you happen to be watching live here on YouTube or listening in podcast land, do us a favor go to YouTube and check out a very cool series called Real Parenting. That's R E E L Parenting on YouTube that is made by our friend Cameron and is where he watches very OG Disney movies with his kids. And that just sounds like the single oh. most wholesome thing I've ever heard. In my life. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty dang fun. Our chat agrees with you. I'm imagining Cameron showing the original Little Mermaid case and going, these are the penis castles that Disney had to censor. <laughs> I mean, that's that would be on brand, but they are his children, so I doubt they have any brand considerations applied to them. <laughs> now, <laughs> I have to say, though, Faye... To, to John's point, Faye really does breathe some life into this series as far as the characters go. And for me, it's the way that she is just so insistently like, okay, I know you're holding up everybody, but if I could just get the phone out of this pocket, and I know you shot me, but if I could just get the phone out of the guy's <laughs> pocket, and then I, I got to tell you right now, okay, her vocalization of the word balls. Yeah. <laughs> leading into the, our theme song i that might be one of my favorite intros to anything ever like movies television musicals commercials like anything i've ever seen music videos that might be one of my favorite things i've ever seen on a camera with audio associated with it like it sets such a specific tone for <laughs> what is about to happen for the rest of this episode and then it continues to nail it all the way through so i just i i have to throw that out there and we'll get back to that i promise but this next scene where faye runs into jet and spike runs into jet and spike at the diner it feels like the single most bizarro version of a seinfeld opening that you've ever seen right like you're just sitting at the table in a cafe she's high right she's definitely high yeah she's very high yeah yeah like it was it was just i I, the way that she drinks that and goes oh what is this (laughs) that's why yeah her her and eating and drinking in this show is fantastic like yeah like daniela just brings so much to that character i i very much enjoy Faye. and my favorite thing about that comment is that josh hates anime mouth sounds like it's a <laughs> it is a trope that they animate weird mouth sounds in anime and i th- i think it's because they they want to over exaggerate reactions like oh right and oh. you know when, but it's, when it's it's like right when people are eating right and now. stuff yeah. exactly so God, it's, it's a very yeah me nuts and and Phil right along with the analogy, yes, Elaine bursting in, yep, like slapping her money, you know, down on the table. I'm out. Yeah. So I just, I, this scene they do they do have the very convenient uh, exposition via newscast. <laughs> John T. Bolds, how did you feel about that? Was it too convenient? Was it not well placed? No, no, that was that was purely for comedy's sake. Like I I can appreciate things like that. Um, honestly, the 
so this is this is probably one of my biggest issues with this show overall the side stories and background you can't make those more interesting than the main story and the main characters and there are so many interesting side background stories in this in these 10 episodes like again i've never seen the anime but the idea that there's like cable access show where two people are announcing bounties and there's obviously some tension building between those two like i want to know more about that the capabilities of terraforming and stuff like that and the big construction versus versus the eco like fascism like okay that as a whole that is a very interesting story i would love to know more about um and i think they drastically waited well wasted their flashback episode on the wrong characters <laughs> and the wrong stories it was it's, yeah like i will get to that when we when we uh get later on in the episode well and it's it's one of it's very interesting to me because i know what there what there is for you in the anime right mm-hmm. and and let me just ask this and this is not a like well, well, let me see if you know how this yeah, goes. Yeah. This is this is purely out of curiosity, because you said you haven't watched a lot of anime. A lot of anime is specifically designed to be told in a single season. I don't know that there is much American live action television that is designed to be one season. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen a show that is designed to be one season? Like not in a like, come on, man, but like in a have you like have you run across that? No, not really. Um but this first these this first season is all set up no payoff. 100%. You got to pay you have to pay a couple of things off in the first season. Um and that that's the main Okay. Okay, Phil, that's a good point. True Detective, <gasps> if you if you get into anthology series, yes. I was yeah, thinking 24. That is, that is a good point. Yeah. Mm, 20 well, I mean the first season of 24, mm-hmm. but but yeah. But okay, well and so the and I and I the reason I ask is because I agree with you 100%. I feel and I'm not about to say this show was designed as one season. Um mm-hmm. the anime was designed as one season and this show is is it really to those of us that have seen it feels like they are expanding big time on all the little pieces of it. So it's interesting that your feeling would be man there are definitely some side stories here that I want to see because you're totally right, dude. Like, th- that's what we've been thinking is like, okay, season two has got to be all that stuff that they set up and they didn't get so to pay off. And we're like, it, it, it really <laughs> is. It. I think that for us three, that's the part that makes it feel painful is it's like you can see that they are setting stuff up and we don't we don't usually approach things from a um, an experiential standpoint, right? So you and Cameron of Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation have filmmaking experience uh we're we're podcasters like we don't we don't uh like we make stuff right but it's not movies and it's not that uh kind of a thing so we're not um super well schooled in like narrative structure and you know arc payoff that kind of a thing i'm not personally i know ricky went to film school so he's definitely got better like tools to describe what he's seeing and analyzing and so i have just sort of taken Ricky's enjoyment of these things to mean that there must be some objective quality there because like like I mean it's pretty obvious I'm a huge emotional fanboy for the things that I like so it's hard for me to be critical but I mean I try I really do try I mean like I said it's 
there's nobody that's going to argue that this is perfect because it's not. But I can sit here and tell you I had a ton of fun with it, which is not a, yeah. a quality yeah. argument, right? It's a subjective thing. But I have to ask, how do you like just kind of the look of the show? Because for whatever reason, if you go look at the Wikipedia of this, it's like this show came out in 2021. It was canceled 30 days later. It was criticized for its writing, its special effects, its sets, its design, and its editing. But it was praised for its cast. And I'm like, really? like that's because that's everything. Come on. Like, first of all, yeah. F off, right? That's that's a snarky article yeah but. no that's that's somebody going overboard no right. the the sets and the the design of the show i definitely very much enjoyed um you know the like you guys were talking earlier in an earlier episode about the opening scene at the the casino and stuff like that like yeah beautiful beautiful set piece um huge problems with the whole with the whole setup entrance and things like that as somebody who who has never seen the anime right. um and compared to the intro to to Firefly with the Battle of Serenity Valley and then cutting forward. I'm like, okay, there's much more. They didn't do a lot of emotional development there, right. but it was a beautiful set piece. This this opera house was beautiful. Every, I, the ships, I really like the ships. Yeah. Like they, they, they definitely took from Firefly big roomy open ships and uh, very, very, like we're gonna hand wave away that yes, it's easy to get in and out of atmosphere on on planets that are never gonna be terraformable, but we have turned into paradises. Whatever, great. Again, I don't care if that's the world we're in. Fine, I love it, and I do think the ships are beautiful. Um, yeah, I I really would have very little to nitpick on that. It was fun to see old pieces like the old Mac computers, the random signs, the <laughs> the fun plays on brands in the background as Faye's putting her makeup on. Yeah. Dr. Um, People? Yeah, no, I, I love it. I think it. one of those things was <laughs> yeah. Dr. People. Dr. People, I think Attacky instead of Atari. There was an upside-down McDonald's sign. So Yeah, yeah, like... So Wick Donald's is actually from the anime, yeah. specifically. And, okay. and, and I... It makes me think of Whack Arnold's from the Chappelle show right. too. It's another play on it. So, yes. Yeah. And and actually to your point from earlier, I don't mean to just keep going back to this, but no. that first shot is immediately Daniela is just imbuing gravitas into this character because she's like, you know, trying to come up with, okay, what am I even going to tell this guy my name is? Because it doesn't literally does not matter what I tell him my yeah. name is. So yeah. it is just a an exercise in her going you know how how do i want to represent myself here like what am i what am i going to do here and then we definitely get so i guess i guess a question that i'll ask specifically to your point john about the side pieces were you the side characters did i say side mm, pieces just, the side yeah. characters um <laughs> like did you want to know the story of the cosmonaut like do you want to know <laughs> absolutely like that when i was very i'm like you can't you you tease this thing three times, and then we never find out the cosmonaut. Again, you dedicate a whole episode to flashbacks, which Firefly did with Out of Gas and managed to tell eight beautiful stories of a crew coming together. And then you give us this boring flashback episode of just Spike and and Vicious and, and Julia, and it's like, wow. Why did you waste this? Why did you waste that flashback instead of showing us our main characters who we're supposed to love and understand why Jet and Spike are hanging out together, which I still don't, honestly. But I, uh, yeah, it's like you could have showed us so, so many of these things. 
And yeah, you, you can't reference something like a cosmonaut three times and never tell us who she is. They are. He is. Whoever. I yeah. think that that's, I, if I had to guess, that's the thing that bugged Josh the most, possibly about the entire series. Yeah. Is that they didn't tell him who the cosmonaut was. I was, <laughs> yes, I was very annoyed at that. But then I think, because I've been watching these episodes like a lot, like more than twice, you know, because not only did I watch it once already, but then I'm watching it again to get my segments ready a couple weeks in advance. Like I, I already have segments ready for the next couple weeks and like, but then I'll watch the episode again, like the Monday before the show. Like, I, so I watched this episode this last Monday and then I watched it again this morning and sometimes I'll even watch it in between there and just get a real good feel for it. And I think by the end of it, it was more like by my, you know, third, fourth viewing of it. I was like, okay, I'm kind of okay with it because it's leaving it up to my own imagination. And I, and I'm, and I kind of like that because to me, I feel like the cosmonaut was probably like a crazy night between jet spike and some chick named the cosmonaut, you know, (laughs) and it, Maybe there were some things that happened that were questionable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what happens you... in Space Vegas stays in Space Vegas. <laughs> so that's kind of what I'm well. And, and like, I would even enjoy it if, if in the flashback, they, they, I don't want need to see the cosmonaut, but it would be funny if, like, in some flashback, they're like, "Oh, hey, there's a Russian lady looking for you," <laughs> and then that's always like, "Oh, come on," you know, just just really dig it and more. Um, you know if. Yeah, you know, we might see that in season two when we, uh, yeah. we might get it. It's possible. It's possible because we are working to hashtag save Cowboy Bebop to get hashtag more Bebop. And when we do, that's probably something they'll address. I personally could have gone with a shot of them going like like hearing a knock, right? And then opening a door and then just seeing somebody in a spacesuit, but like you can't see their face. And that's the whole flashback. Like just like knock, knock. Who's there? Spacesuit. Boom. And they go, oh, yep. yeah, it is like that. But I to Cameron's point in the chat. That's the joke. And yes, and yes. I Josh, you know that I would connect this to you back in season two of Sudden But Inevitable being mad that there was no resolution to the bottle episode <sighs> with it with so and, and I'm not gonna spoil what happens there because I know producer John T. Bolds hasn't seen it. So I'm I'm just gonna <laughs> mention that. Josh is a big fan of serialization. So ep- episodic storytelling is not necessarily something that Josh enjoys every time he encounters it. So if I know if I know that it's going to be like that going in, then I am okay. With Cowboy Bebop, I thought there was going to be a little bit more of a serialization to it. We're we're growing as a team. It's fine. Fine. I still like it. <laughs> yeah, I like I said, Go back and listen to season two. Josh became a Cowboy Bebop fan. And I think it's because we started with turning him into a Firefly fan, which only worked because he's a Mandalorian fan, which you can (laughs) find out about on a podcast called Quest Me, which you should definitely do. I will say shout out 20 whatever years ago to my friend Megan for first introducing me to Firefly. Oh, very cool. We've yeah. we very rarely have a temporal shout out on our podcast. It's almost like <laughs> most of them are contemporaneous, so that's really cool. 
Uh, I got to say, we have this very cool comment from Mal in the chat. They said, I would appreciate a Dark Knight era Joker origin story kind of deal for the cosmonaut (laughs) where we get multiple different versions of the story and you never really know which one is accurate is what I assume Mal is referring to a, a sort of, you know, uh, spooky psychopath sort of a, an origin but I, fantastic. Uh, again i'm fine <laughs> with how they did just it. the joker in space well, and, <laughs> and they had to deal with that yeah. but i think clearly this is meant to put us in Faye's shoes right we're supposed to be sympathizing with Faye this whole episode we're the, the Faye is the audience uh avatar this episode right so we're just as in the dark as she is we're not part of that in joke we don't know what's going on either all we know is that she got shot and we're kind of worried about her. Like, can she please get that fixed? Okay. Why is she just I, right? Yeah. She's dealing with I've been wanting well. to talk yeah. about Faye's gunshot wound. Uh, what yeah. is our, yeah. What is our assumption of what happened? Is it just that she's such a badass that she took a large caliber round to the shoulder and she ignored it and she's fine with it? Uh, is there some kind of like bio armor that she might be wearing that we can't see? Uh, or does that dress she's wearing imbue her with some kind of extra armor? So what do we think is the reason she was so unaffected by that bullet? I think she's just a badass and she gets shot and she's like, you know what? I And she also, listen, if you just watch someone turn into a tree, I think your adrenaline is going to be pumping pretty freaking hard. <laughs> and I'll, I will agree with that up through the opening credits. But when she then continues to operate with a with a bullet in her shoulder for another 15 minutes or, of the episode, like, okay. At that point, she's just doing on. it for dramatic effect. She's like, I got to go talk to Spike and Jet, and they're never going to believe me unless I still have, am bleeding. Okay. <laughs> Qu- uh, question. And all of these comments are gold. Please, seriously, if you haven't, show up for the live chat. It's youtube.com slash podcast every Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Sometimes uh, it turns has, into the thirst chat. She has big Indiana yes. Jones energy. I just... I, <laughs> okay, you guys. Here's a question. When she sits down at, at the Seinfeld Cafe, the first thing that Spike and Jet both say after they talk about the bidets... There's so much gold in this episode. The first thing they say is, she's high, right? <laughs> it's possible that yeah. both things are true mm-hmm. right it's possible yeah. that she is Absolutely. on drugs and yeah. and got shot and maybe that's why she was on drugs and maybe that's part of what she was doing getting ready like okay i'm gonna put on my lipstick i'm gonna put on my eyeliner i'm gonna take my stim pack um yep you know yeah. <laughs> i just there are so few people that i can make like old school references to that are super deep cuts that they will get but i gotta tell you the green shirt podcast <laughs> Is just there. You guys have a serious, like, deep cut uh, pedigree. I and I really appreciate that about you guys. Oh, you'll go a long way with Fallout references with the Green Shirt crew. That's for sure. I got to make a shout out really quick to Mr. Sincera. He's literally in a lecture watching the Sudden But Inevitable podcast right now. Get back to school, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, I mean, that feels appropriate because that's. That's just how we do things here. It's it's sneaky, it's sideways, it's familial. <laughs> it's it's how you would do it if you knew these people. It's our found family here at Sudden But Inevitable, and that's yeah. why we talk so much about our live chat, and I appreciate that, you guys. And this episode is about the found family. I did appreciate their setup in the opera house scene when she's uh, when she's got her lawyer close up with the uh, with the cryo guy, um, you know. Uh, a woman with no memories has nothing left to lo- nothing to lose. I'm like, well, obviously, we see later on in the episode she's mourning the loss of everything she had in her life up to that point. Yes. So it was it was a nice 
telling us what the episode was about. Yes. And we have, and John, I, I know that you know so many space westerns, and I mean, so much sci fi in general is about found family, right? But space westerns in general. So it just, it does seem to fit the bill here. Now, I have to point this out, and I, I did clear this with a very good friend of ours, and this person is, is said that this is totally cool. So our friend Angelus in the live chat um, had messaged me. Angelus hadn't seen the series until this week. They hadn't watched okay. it. They were in our live chat. You know, they were, they were introduced to us by our friend Robert from the Science Fiction Remnant podcast. And I was asking... Um, Angelus about it and I was saying so you know what was your resistance and he said well I saw that video of Daniela Pineda that went viral where she's saying like get off my case like you know I we're not going to be exact sorry that I'm not wearing shorts that are this long you know that sort of a thing and it kind of put me off and I think that that's totally fair and I am happy to report that Angelus in the meantime has caught up to us and is on episode four and is watching the series with us and is here in the live chat and is cool and supportive in every way. And we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. But I feel like the essence of that video is that to even for Daniela Pineda to even feel compelled to have to make a video like that is so tragic to me. Like she must have gotten so much freaking complaining and flack and just negative comments to even feel compelled to go. I'm just going to make a video and address it to everyone. Like that, that hurts. And, and I'll be honest when I saw the video, I was like, I'm going to watch the shit out of this series because she has big Faye energy. She's perfect for Faye. She does not take shit. She doesn't care what you think. She knows she looks good and she's going to use that in whatever way that she needs to. And I just, I, I love her performance and I think we can probably get off of it now. And Angelus, thank you for letting me tell that story. Cause it was really cool. And I really appreciate that. So we have this, eco-terrorism plot going on we have so many moving pieces we have Faye's identity has been stolen she's trying to figure out who she is these guys are trying to pick up the bounty there's missiles involved people are turning into trees like this episode is kind of freaking nuts you guys yeah amidst all of that nutbags yeah freaking nutbags i love the newscast and admit amidst all of this okay we have a a scene of julia and vicious we get a little bit of the aftermath of what's going on with them okay and there's this planning scene going on where julia is playing the piano vicious shows back up and he's like you know this that's it they i'm so mad about what they made me do to you and (laughs) you know oh yeah and she's like she sees right through that she's like sure like you're just embarrassed big big abuser energy there oh they made me (laughs) yeah well not only that but i'm gonna take revenge on them for you like it's yeah. not it's not my own designs on the syndicate or anything. <laughs> but I don't know if you guys noticed the percussion that plays behind this scene is like it's like a train threatening to gain steam, mimicking the turning of the wheels in Vicious's head as Julia throws coal on the open flame of his disgrace. It's very like it's just slowly building and building and building and it's like Spoiler alert, this is new Julia territory, okay? It feels very Firefly to me, specifically because of the phrasing, come at them from the side, come at them sideways. That's how Book tells Mal that the assassin will come at him in the, in the movie, yeah. Yeah, the operative will, he'll, yeah, he'll sidle up and smile, come at you from the side, yeah. Exactly. So it, I was like immediately like, ooh, and, you know, for some of us... <laughs> 
not to be exclusive, that is a new thing to experience with Julia. John, how did you, what did you think about their dynamic? So I know up to here, it's kind of like, oh, she's just being abused. Right. You know, and right. that's not, it's like, it, that's an old trope. And it's sort of like, come on, let's give the character something to do. How do you feel how, about what they gave the character to do? Well, they're they're definitely setting up the the first threads of what we see by the end of the season, which is definitely a very popular thing to be doing these days. Um, in other media, I was talking to to Cam about this too. Is like, okay, we are we are now on the train of, uh, <laughs> and he's off to watch the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Excellent. Uh, we're now on the train of. Um, somewhat sideline side female characters by the end of whatever they're in taking over and and uh deciding to take charge of whatever criminal group they're a part of we've seen it in star wars we've seen it in marvel we've seen it in marvel again we've seen it here it's like okay this is this is the new oh catching me was all part of my plan you know this this (laughs) is what is replacing that in my mind um gotcha and so they're definitely setting the the first roots of that. I I and so it was fun to it was fun to see that. It was I I think she masterfully delivered and and manipulated him into the the plan with Mao and the eunuch. Like just watching her performance as she talks through that little monologue, but but starting by standing behind him, slowly walking up toward him, and by the end semi-seductively sitting on the piano bench almost casually throwing out there that you're the only one who can do this like it is it is a fantastic performance on her part and we know i mean we eventually come to know that performance is what julia is best at yep. now this is an expansion of her character from the original series i'm not going to spoil anything i'll just say that it is an expansion on what her character does in the original series um is this also the episode where we get the scene of Gran attempting to break the dancer yes. in half? Yes. As she is. Yes. Uh, the, when we when we take a short <laughs> side trip to Twin Peaks for a little while, and I laugh my ass off every time. They were just blowing uh, that we, dirty uh, saxophone right in her face. Yeah, right in her face. <laughs> like, like okay, it's funny that Gran is like, you know, yeah, that's right. Feel the feel the f, you know, through you, like Ben. And like he would be like, you really need. To Deep dance brain. better. Sorry, the saxophone's so loud right now. It's right Deeper. in my ear. <laughs> Deeper. Yeah, exactly. It's like, she's like, I can't hear what you're saying. The saxophone is right next to my head. And like, those are really like, loud at the hornet. And they were so brutal about it towards the dancer. Just like, man, I feel like Gren was just going to break that poor dancer. Yeah. Like, and she was so bored too. It was funny. Uh, it was fun to watch. It's just like, okay, yep. Gotta, gotta practice with Gren now. Like not yeah. at all putting anything into the performance besides uh, the dance moves. Good <laughs> gracious. Yeah. Well, and he just, but the confidence that they have is just like, I, I believe what they said was uh, trying to protect the talent from my perfection again. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that. I, I love all of Gren's moments oh, yeah. in this series. And and again, Mason Alexander Park, their performance is is universally agreed to be one of the high points of the series, regardless of what, what has been said about the rest of it. Absolutely. The They're acting great. Yeah. yeah, the acting generally I think tends to be and I don't feel one like, of the things that's praised all around. I don't but, even feel but like Gren in particular. Well, I don't even feel like Gren was in it that much. So 
So they really made I an impact. I feel like they were like, getting set up for more again. Right, though. again, like setting setting that character up for season two. And But then again, like those scenes that they were in were really good, you know, and they were yeah. really intriguing. And you're like, oh, man, you know, what what do they do to, to Julia, you know, or what did Julia do to stick up for other people? Like, where's, where's that? You know, I, well, and does she, you know, does she not have to learn that because she can sing? Is this meant to imply that this dancer can't sing? And that's why Gren is like, Nope, you're going to have to be able to literally bend yourself. And probably, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> which shout out to the dancer. She does right at the end, very end is, as Gren is standing up to go talk to Julia. Like she it's has true. both feet on the floor over the back of her head. Like, <gasps> you know, Back in my high school days, I could do that, but not now. No. I mean, couldn't even do that in my high school days. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's an I Alaska thing. Don't worry. Am, <laughs> I thought it was a green shirt thing, but you know, half a green shirt is an Alaskan thing too. So I guess that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So we ha- <laughs> we have a lot of uh, chasing and a lot of frantic. Like, where are they? Who are these people? Who is this person? Uh, Faye pretending to be a guy. It's one of those things that, <laughs> yes, that's a sitcom trope, right? Oh, like, yeah. Well, hey, going through the tunnel. <laughs> What's going on? But she, there's something in her eyes, man. It's just like you can see that she's doing this out of desperation oh, and yeah. and absolute necessity, even though it is absurd and dumb. Like she's, she really is committed to it. And that's, I think, one of my favorite things about her performance is that it's just so real it, it, for kind of a wacky sci-fi character. It's a very real performance. It, it you know? absolutely is. Yeah. And I just, this, this scene where we're, we're on this planet and you know, we, they, they've caught up with everybody. She reaches into the tree. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's gross what she reaches into oh, the yeah, tree. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, Ugh. but it's, it's the kind of, con- it's the kind of conceit that you have to, make if you're turning people into trees violently in the first act you gotta get like how do you escalate that right how do you go up from there it's like well i guess fill the trees with bodily fluids yeah, and have basically. people reach <laughs> the trees and then, like, and then have the dog piss on them <laughs> like it's kind of the only place left to go and i i kind of i, I gotta say I like the dynamic between the the mom telling the girl you got to be ruthless, you know, you got to be vicious, you got to be you got to be if you want to take if you want to replace me someday, if you want to take over the family business, you got to learn to act like mom. And it's just uh, so such a great payoff and we're not quite there but we will get there. We have the scene of every of these of this crew, our three main crew members deciding okay, like we got to do the right thing, yeah. Right, like yeah. we we have to, we got to save the planet basically, or multiple planets potentially. We got to do what's right. You know, maybe in the process we can still make money on this, but let's go do what's right now. I, I really, I love that they split up. I love the way that they do all of this. I love the Atmo bubbles. I love the way that those got translated mm-hmm. personally. I love the chase. I love that she manages to both abandon them and decide to do the right thing all in the span of like 15 minutes. And it doesn't feel manufactured from her performance to me. Like everything just feels in the moment and like reactionary and emotional. She's just like, I, I, 
it's like her original character. She's traveling one moment to the next with no direction, right? Yeah. She's like, where do I go? What do I do? I'm, I'm desperately searching for some kind of meaning, for family, for answers to my past, that kind of a thing. I'll be honest, I... Let's just talk about the scene where she gets in her ship and decides, I'm going to go ram this into those missiles. Like, I... I got really close to tearing up. I didn't quite just because I've seen the episode so many times and because it's 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 mostly a cool factor thing for me. Um, John, if you've listened to our other episodes, you know I'm kind of an emotional pushover, so it just happens. <laughs> oh, I'm too. Don't worry but about it. Yeah. <laughs> her, like, the resolve on her face when she decides to go back, I feel like you can just tell what she's already decided to do. And then she starts recording this voice log, right? Like, all right for the lucky pervert that finds my body. <laughs> Here's the deal. She's still Faye. It's almost, Even crashing right. the ship, she's still Faye, yeah. And she's, you know, resigned to her fate, and she goes, you know, maybe they can find me and put me back together. I'll go back to the cryonics place. Speaking of, I will totally forgive you if you didn't, producer John T. Bolds, but did you happen to notice, like... The serial number on Faye's paperwork when Mark Man- well, that she handed to Mark Manley, she went, "Hey, you unfroze me. Here's my paperwork. This is you called me Faye Valentine. Did you happen to notice the serial number of her cryopod? Uh, I did not. Was it 1701? NCC 1701 B, oh, which nice. is a direct yeah. yes, is a direct pull from the anime. In the anime, there's one shot of her in the cryopod as a flashback, and that number is emblazoned across the front of it. So even back in 1998, they were putting in references to the original anime to Star Trek. No, so not just and, to Star Trek. To the yeah, ship captained by just, Sulu, played by John Cho. Like, like it definitely well, uh, comes I mean, very, very full circle. It's beautiful. Exactly. Wow. It's, it's the ultimate space circle, really. And... And it because it crosses both space yeah. and time. And time. It's and universes. It's, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I think Jesse just did a Shatner impression without intending to do a Shatner impression. It was wonderful. <laughs> that, was, that was beautiful. That's called a natural Shatner. And it doesn't natural happen very often. <laughs> but it it has happened before. Look at our live chat lighting up. We can we can even break that down a little more. A Nat Shat. Nat Shat. <laughs> So I am I'm curious, why do you okay, one, Murdoch is actually a very bad eco fascist. If she was a committed eco fascist, she would never have had kids. Um but that is where I think her vitriolic rage stems from because oh my god, is this woman just angry, 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 and takes it out not on her kids, on her daughter. It's it's like okay, she she hates herself. For having gotten married, having had kids, and what wishes, you know, she, I think she's jealous of her daughter, honestly. And so that's why she's so angry at her specifically all the time. Um, very, very capable idiots, those kids. Like <laughs> just, just dumb as bricks, but able to launch missiles and, and execute a, uh, you know, an attack on an opera house pretty flawlessly. So. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be real though, producer John T. Bolds, the interfaces, specifically the graphic user interfaces oh, yeah. in this universe, way more simple to understand. So than in Star simple, Trek. like oh, like, like just, anybody could walk up and yeah. I will say, I was, pictures of missiles, buttons, yeah. like yeah, one button to stop something. Yeah, that's how real life works. I know. I've used <laughs> I 
have used a lot of big red buttons to stop giant machines in my life. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. So, so you would you would say that you've engaged several kill switches? Absolutely, in your past? absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. To know that is beautiful to know. I I gotta say, you guys, I feel like Ricky D from Best Flicks has been Ricky quiet. D. I have been it's very been quiet. a little sidelined. Oh, tonight. Man, just, are you okay? I know. I yeah. Why don't you just open up your iTunes account again about it? No, no, but <laughs> what do you, if there's anything, if there's anything that you feel like uh, you would like to bring up, please, I would love to give you the floor. Yeah, we had a couple of fun moments that I wanted to go back and take, talk about. Uh, you mentioned the Seinfeld restaurant, and uh, oh, I really like yeah. the idea of the synthetic food. Because if we're in oh, yeah. a place yeah. where, I mean, humans have got to outgrown animals, or especially, I mean, look how rare dogs are. So right. how many cows, how many pigs, how many livestock animals can they really have? That kind of real meat would be at an extreme premium. So it's just a nice little world building thing where they're like, yeah, can't use coupons on real on real meat. You got to get the synthetic yeah. seaweed with uh, pork flavoring. Which, again, you'll see a lot of in the expanse. I know that. Well, and it fits well with last week's synthetic sushi. Yeah. Right. We know that food and, and this connects to Firefly too. We know that whoever controls the food resources, you know, controls the galaxy. It's it's the spice of these two universes, yeah. right? Because it's it's without food you have no terraforming and without terraforming you have no anything. So I, I think that's a really good point, Ricky D. And it does make me wonder like you know, at, at what point are do you think? I mean, we're kind of already getting there, right, guys? Like you've got Beyond Meat, and I understand that that's more of a positive uh, development, right? Than like a oh, we're out of meat, but we're we're sort of making the Beyond Meat the the impossible meat, right? We're making those because we know we're going to get to a point where we we are going to run out of animals, or we're going to run out of space for them. So, I mean, it is a kind of tragically possibly prescient piece of world building but i do i think it does add to the realism of this crazy wacky anime oh, version yeah. of a space western and i did uh, like yeah. the shot got? of seeing how the uh, cheesy bread is made at the beginning of that diner scene it took me a couple of watches i'm like oh that's the cheesy bread that's not like mustard or anything that is the cheese they are just oh onto the bread that's there. gross yeah. the cheese gun yep yeah <laughs> I did not appreciate, I mean, I appreciated that in a negative way. Sorry. So Go going ahead, a Ricky little bit D. further down this route, if we lived in the Cowboy Bebop world, if we could not use coupons on real meat, if we're being forced to eat fake beef, or I mean, bell peppers with no fake beef, would you guys eat a dog? Sure. I mean... Personality goes a long way, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I could eat a dog. I think, um, I just, as the resident non-cat person on the show, I'm just gonna say no, um, because I, I mean, you'll notice Josh said yes almost immediately, but I, but I need cat too, right? I don't, I don't know that I would do that either, um, but mostly because I wouldn't trust the cat even if it were dead. Uh, <laughs> Live chat. What uh, well, Phil says <laughs> his wife or spouse says that dog tastes like brisket. And I know that she spent her time as an army child hopping around to some mm. very interesting locales. And I wouldn't put it past her that she has had dog. Our friend Mal in the chat 
is a pescatarian with a pet dog, so no, never. I, you guys, I gotta say, I think it's great that our live chat's actually weighing in on this. I was <laughs> kidding. Um, uh, Angela says go vegan. So I, this is oof. This, seriously, if I you're need not meat in, in my chat, life. Go to the live chat. <laughs> Josh, seriously, man, you gotta stop dropping the easy ones. Like every time you say something like that, it becomes the the audio Easter egg at the end of the episode instantaneously. Like. You know, I forgot about that whole cockpit one, and then yeah. I listened. To oh yeah, I was gonna oh, say man. that was a fun. Yeah, <laughs> I'll pair those together because it just it works really well. Um, Callie says, "Don't eat the cat. Mine keeps eating plastic. Whoever eats her will not feel well." <laughs> uh, you cook it long enough, Ricky, it'll be fine. <laughs> yes, I I have uh, would imagine Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D, my friend. Have you got any other stuff you feel like we have to we have to talk about? I guess the only other thing that I really wanted to talk about uh, it's not much of a discussion. It's just my own uh, feelings towards the show. Is back when we watched the anime, almost every episode I was kind of rolling my eyes and complaining about Faye. I was like, I don't like her action. I feel like she's a deceptive character and she's trying to be part of this crew, but she doesn't align her values with them, that kind of thing. And this time around, Faye is kind of my favorite character. Uh, I like mm. all of her just ridiculous expressions. I like her uh, just kind of the vocabulary she uses. Even though there's something very desperate going on, she still throws out around, oh, there's these... I, I shouldn't try and make eco-terrorist jerks. Yeah, she's, jerks. But she's got a, a snappy, witty repartee. She's very Absolutely. there. She's in the so, moment. Food in her mouth. Yeah, I'm really enjoying and this round of Faye. I don't think the last Faye yeah. was flawed. I think it was just my interpretation of her that I didn't like. But I'm sure you and I hated Faye by the end. Of right. Season. But this time around, I'm really enjoying her. Yeah, I agree. And I have to say this because there's no version of a Cowboy Bebop podcast run by three cishet white dudes <laughs> that um, can pretend that Faye Valentine is not a huge draw for this show, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> let's be real. So um, to that point, though, Daniela Pineda, very, very good casting. I don't know oh, yeah. why anybody was complaining about her casting because, yeah. wow. And, and we'll leave it at that because I, I feel like that's probably sufficient. Um, I mean, even her delivery of just what the shit is that when she first sees Ayn and, <laughs> and just the continued hate toward Ayn, the whole thing. Wow. You're ugly. Wow. Your mouth, your, your breath is a buttload. Yeah. <laughs> and then she, even despite the fact that she yeah. stole him. Yeah. It's just like, like oh, I hate you, but I'm taking you. But yeah, yeah. You're cute. You're a corgi. I get it. I And so just a couple of things that I'll bring up and then I feel like I'll give you guys a quick chance and then we'll jump into our segments for the week. I did like that at the beginning when we see them at the the cafe that we see Spike looking at the bullet that he could have fired mm -hmm. at Vicious in the previous episode to kill him. He is still carrying the weight. He's going. Eh. Also, I very really good Firefly like reference there. You know, I didn't kill you. I just carried the bullet for a while. So I was like, exactly. oh, hey, good. See Spike carrying the bullet for a while. It's like, oh, yeah, he's not going to be the one to kill Vicious. And that was still one of the coolest moments of the series. Just the ka-ching, catching the sh ah, I just, yeah. Anyways, I, I, I'll I get over it someday. I just don't know <laughs> when that day will be. Um, I I feel like the we're getting a lot of Vicious's, you know, reasoning here. But I, I just, I love that beyond getting an expanded reasoning for him to just want to kill everybody, we get the second layer of it with Julia. and And we get, like... 
so many layers of it, right? Because she has to go to Anna. Gren is there. Spike is involved. Like, there's just so many pieces of it. This feels like peak noir to me. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody has their own, you know, you know, their motives. own ulterior motives. Yeah. And they're all trying to secretly move in the shadows against one another without tipping their hand. And I just, to me, this is, I, I, I said it last week. I think that that was really where the series took off. But for me, this is where the series finds its identity and then just starts swinging for the fences from here on out is how I feel about it. Yeah. Now, I think let's start with producer John T. Bolds. Producer John T. Bolds, is there anything from this episode that you feel like we have to discuss before we move into our weekly segments? Yeah, the the very the final sequence of uh, Faye waking up with Ayn licking her face with his with his butt load breath. Um, that is hands down for all 10 episodes. That is the most firefly moment of the whole season. Uh, Spike talking to her, welcoming her onto the ship, making her a little bit a part of the family, her small smile at the end, which again, Daniela Benetta just delivers beautifully. Um, I was like, Oh, this is pure. Like even the music in the background is pretty much pure firefly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did, I did appreciate that. They, they, went with that kind of moment for a very, very Firefly reference versus something more actiony or more sarcastic or more, you know, you know, just getting witty banter back and forth. Um, I, it was a very, very nice moment. And I'm also shocked that they didn't go just take Murdoch ships since there's just a couple trees on it. Now it's like, Hey, there's a ship out there. Like, we should probably go take that really big, really cool-looking ship. Like, well, I mean, they only had two pilots, right? They got at that point they've just got Spike and Jet, yeah, and they've got but, and they've got the Bebop and the Swordfish. So it's like, yeah, that's cause, true, because she went there on Spike's ship. So it's like, well, I'm I'm gonna take that back. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. It, I, you know, it's one. It's a very small detail. So there, thing, there's but, just a ship flying through whatever part of the solar system they were on. Is uh, as, there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there are, there are so many instances in sci-fi where I'm like, why are they not treating that as a commodity? Yeah, yeah. Why are they not immediately commodity. all over that thing. Yeah, like, yeah. It, that should be happening in a, in a lot of sci-fi. I think. Um, I I don't know how I missed this um, comment, but our friend Angelus in the chat, who is from Australia. Um, has had kangaroo meat before. Have have you guys ever had kangaroo meat? Yep. You have. What is it like? It's gamey. It's I had kangaroo jerky, so that's one. You know, it's very very mm-hmm. um, treated. But yeah, when I was in Australia, I had I had uh, kangaroo. I really liked um, the crocodile. I had crocodile chowder, oh. and Callie was asking uh, if that does if kangaroo tastes like chicken. Crocodile definitely tasted like chicken to me in the chowder. It was a very good soup. I was for sure you were going to say koala, and I was like, dude, I think that's illegal. <laughs> no, no, no. I got to hold a koala. Yeah. I have, I think pandas are my last bear on the planet that I have yet to be in, you know, close proximity to without a barrier between me and them. So, well, if I'm not mistaken, pandas are closer to raccoons than they are bears. Yes. Yeah. Uh, t- taxonomically, is that the correct? I think so. Yeah. But yeah, I've held so. a koala. I've been close to black bears, grizzlies, and polar bears. So. Yeah. Uh, Angelus, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, y'all refer to those as drop bears. Is that correct? <laughs> um, anyone can say what they want or feel about Pineda. This episode really cemented her performance as Faye. Fight me. Fully agree. Josh, my friend. Strike me. Strike me. Is there anything from this episode? <laughs> your brother's that you feel reference. Like, I freaking love you, bro. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
Come on, strike me! Strike me! <laughs> I, I love that episode. Producer John T. Bolds, we have bandied about the idea of starting a Venture Brothers podcast, oh. and we're only half joking. I'm serious. Like it could be that could be a world ender for, for us real. Because I, we would, I we am, would have no time to do anything else. Yeah, so no, but but put it in your back pocket. Yes, my absolutely. I'm just I'm just so tickled. Everything you said about the music at the beginning has been washed away now with that reference. So thank you. Oh yeah. No, honestly, I will say of everything that died in the pandemic, Venture Brothers is at the top of my list of like the things I mourn that the pandemic took from us. So yeah. Well, and we have speculated on the network that <laughs> that's right, that orangutan. A, yeah. And that's a full on. We're just gonna pull this to make you want it, and then we'll give it back to you on HBO Max for more money. Is what we think is happening. See, but, which which great, fine, and and yes, honestly, I'm not entirely convinced that Netflix didn't cancel this this show just to See? drum up. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. We hundred percent. Thank you. Yeah. Now, Josh, my friend, that was fun. Do you have anything from this episode that you feel like we have to talk about before we jump to our segments? I I don't, man. I, I think I know. I've been in the background a lot. I haven't been talking a lot. My computer's been a little laggy, so I'm I'm trying not to get skippy on you guys. But you guys have covered everything that I've yes. wanted to cover. So, oh, I'm so happy about the vegetables. Yeah, and that's another thing. I'm just so distracted now with strike me that I just can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's yeah. hard. It's hard uh, we, are, we are going to be getting a Venture Brothers movie. Our friend Phil in chat has confirmed. Excellent. Um, mm. And that's, and, and, and I, I appreciate your dedication for showing up for Sun Butter Inevitable, even on the road, Josh. It's something and, that we have all know, taken our turns to do whatever we have to do. We make this show happen, and that's indeed. what I love about this show. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D or Ricky D the Truncator D as we like to call you. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we jump into our segments for the week? I think I'm good. I just need to talk about some pretty shots of the show. Shot of the show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments from this week's episodes, the moments that now live rent-free in our heads. I think the only fair way to do this is to have our very cool and Let's just let's just admit it. Good-looking guest producer John T. Bolds, go first. Uh, the first shot here comes from twenty-three minutes and fifty-six seconds. John T. Bolds, take us away. Uh, I love the way that Daniela Panetta eats the cheesy bread when with the chopsticks. But just just that look—that is an excellent screen grab. Just that look of just pure pleasure on her face because she hasn't eaten since before the opera house i mean she she has been it's probably been 24 to 36 hours since she's eaten she's been shot she's had her ship stolen she's stolen a ship she's stolen a dog she's found tree guy she's like it's it's been a long day for her so just just that complete delight of like oh food something and it seemed like again i haven't watched a lot of anime but i'm like okay this is a very anime type um, meal that she's having just something big in chopsticks and she's just taking big big bites out of and loving just looks like a um, drawn ration yeah and she is yeah also might be high <laughs> kelly that's that's a good point but yeah just, just the pure the pure pleasure she displays like she is so good at those small performances that like all right she i, I love watching her eat and drink yeah I 100% agree with it. She just, her tone, like she nails the tone of the angst and, and the layers and the pain and the sadness and the manic energy and the feeling of disregard for one's own safety that 
reckless apathy that seems to come from just being beaten down again and yeah. again and again and again, which is something that a lot of people can identify with, especially you know over the last couple of years. And and yeah, for that level of nuance to come through in just a moment like that, just yeah, like you said, and just that scene, like go back and watch just the scene from her getting her shoulder fixed to them asking her, you know, them feeding her. She goes from you know, little angry and upset talking about how tight her shoulder is and then demanding to know who the cosmonaut is and being snarky about that when Spike changes the, the deal. And then just the, the little bit of pitiful, like, are you going to airlock me? Then to the food <laughs> pleasure, like, yeah, she is a talent to behold. Absolutely. The range, yeah. yeah. And and I, I even if we didn't somehow get more hashtag more Bebop, I am excited to watch everything that Daniela Pineda is in from here on yeah, out. Like, absolutely. Definitely a new new actor to follow. Uh, looks like up next, we have, is this Josh's is pick? pick? Is, oh, this is Ricky's Rick. pick. I'm sorry. This is at 20 minutes and 44 seconds. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Take us away, my friend. Yeah, this is just a really elegant shot of Vicious's villain layer. Like, it's dark. It's lit creepily. There's these weird halo lights up top. The stone pillars emanate some kind of evil. Uh, this is just a really cool shot. And, you know, um, for the people that are listening, we got to see around Vicious's lair. But this shot I'm picking right here is a full shot where you can really take it all in. And I think that might even be a devil goat statue in the background. That might be Baphomet. Hmm. I can't. Well, and he has that scroll painting that has the crow on it as well that we are used to from some of us are used to from the original series. It just, dude, did we ever get a scene where vicious has an evil villain moment where he's swimming through his pool and comes up and someone hands him a towel. Did we ever get that scene? (laughs) We did. We did not. Um, But I, it is one of those, like to that point though, Josh, that like, I want to put my foot in that pool. Like I don't, I don't want to swim in it. I just want to disturb the surface of the water because it looks <laughs> like it just looks like it would be fun to disturb. Yeah. And, Juliana and, would make a good yeah, Bond that girl. Is... Speaking of, yeah, oh, Juliana. Julia. Oh, but Julia. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, oh, man, dude, that is a really yeah. good call, especially because we get that. I think John like, Cho would make a great that, Bond. That'd be... Well, and we get that. Actually, that's not bad at all. And we've mentioned that before because he definitely nails the calm, cool, mm-hmm. collected, like ultra nonchalance. But. Julia, in particular, as a Bond girl, she has that, like, smoky, mysterious, like, what is going on? You can see the wheels turning, like, I, but yes, that is an excellent pick, and it's, I just, how could you not love the look of this show? Like, it's, it's so gorgeous, like, even the parts that are, maybe, you can tell, you know, uh, CGI'd in, or that kind of a thing, it's like, it still looks Even the grunginess. There's nothing in it. The grunginess looks beautiful. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and I mean that's actually coming up in my shot, but let's bring up Josh's shot first for uh our next one. I believe this is at 11 minutes and 49 seconds, Josh. This, go ahead. Yeah, this is, <laughs> just look at him. Just look at Mr. Yep. Joe. He's just so annoyed right now. Like really where did this chick come from? And I love how she just sits down and she drinks this glass of water and she goes, "Ew, what is that?" Oh, yeah. and he goes, "It's water." And she goes, "Oh, do you have some beer or something?" <laughs> and this whole just her running into them, she like knocks over the table as she's coming over and like 
gets her dress caught up in the chair and just like she's so distraught and sits down and even though she's obviously bleeding and shot and she's obviously been through a hard time john cho is still just so annoyed <laughs> just doesn't care. why yeah. are you here why won't jet let me shoot you <laughs> yeah <laughs> come on let me kill her please despite her manic nature though she is like dropping information left oh, and right yeah. she's like here's what happened here's a chance to make money if we leave right now like she actually shows up with I mean, as good as her intentions could be in the moment, yeah. right? And she's like, dude, seriously, we can all make money if we do this right now. So, it, yeah, it just, everything about this scene, like I said, it, it really does, it's bizarre, ultra bizarro space Seinfeld, <laughs> and, and I love it. And John Cho, this whole episode, every John cho this whole episode is like, I just want to kill Faye. I just <laughs> want to do this thing. And her. Please? It's, it's a whole episode of Jet denying Spike's nature. Like, how did we get through this whole episode without Jet going, did you used to be a hitman, maybe? <laughs> like, uh, you read lips, you really want to kill people. I just, it's a poss- it seems like it could be possible. Now, of course, if I'm not mistaken, that leads us to my pick for shot of the show this week, which, of course, takes place at 15 minutes and 17 seconds. Look at that. In the bottom left corner of the screen here, gentlemen, that is the bebop mm-hmm. in the water. This is not a real city. This is totally made up. This is the one of the most realistic shots in the entire series. Like this just looks like a, a location shot to me. Yeah. I am so impressed with the realism, with the lived-in quality of this shot with the tram track here yep. which immediately evokes Cowboy Bebop the movie for me okay. and and you know the future for others because, you know, monorails. <laughs> um <laughs> But, it, it, you know, there's a lot of layers here for us to love, right? There's there's sci-fi in here that's obvious. There's sci-fi in here that's not obvious. There's blatant multiculturalism all over this. They're showing you, look, there's seven different language signs here. There's This is a melting pot. Every terraformed planet is like this. It has its different districts, its different cultures all mashed together in one. You guys, this is two weeks in a row I haven't picked a silhouette. Is there, <laughs> do I get, should I get like a gold star? Or Something's like a, wrong something yeah there's I'll send you a trophy. Up. yeah we, we need to figure out we need to figure out what is going on um if you have a selection for shot of the show go ahead and share the time code in the live chat i will pull it and then i will share it on our instagram which is at sudden but inevitable podcast you will also see the rest of our picks for shot of the show in there every week leading up to our live stream you guys that's pretty much it for that segment and if you're you know, not new to Sudden But Inevitable, then you know that that means that what is next, my friend Josh, is no finer one-liner. No finer one-liner is where we share, as the name implies, our favorite lines of dialogue from this week's episode. Sometimes it's more than one line, sometimes it is one line, but as we have been doing all evening, let's go ahead and Josh, if you don't mind, play our guest John's line first, and then John, walk us through it. No shit. Trees. It was nutbags. I'll tell you what else is nutbags. Trees? Are you serious with this? Oh, shit. That's nutbags. So, I don't know, just the, just the repeated use of... You know, I, I think the file I named was no finer three-liner because, yeah, I just giggle every time I hear him say the word nutbags and the way <laughs> it's delivered by every different performer. And I do love, I love the media trope 
of news readers not knowing what they're reading until it pops up on the screen. It's like, okay, obviously not at all a realistic thing, but it's always, always so funny. And just, just the fact that it's like, yeah, okay. It's, it, yeah. People are changing trees. There's no other word besides nutbags for that situation. <laughs> I'll be totally honest, man. I didn't know that that was what you had picked when I asked you at the start of the show how you felt about that moment because you sent in your clip, a little bit peek behind the curtain, so we pull the, the audio clips before the show every week so that Josh can turn them into those very cool, like, captioned videos. And uh, usually we say, just send us your time code, we'll do all the work. Mm-hmm. I told John T. Bold's super producer to do that, and he's like, no, I'm just going to send you my <laughs> clip. It's already been pulled, it's edited together, everything is fine. So... It was, it was it was a huge yeah a huge boon for us it made it might made our job a lot easier and and I got to agree with you 100% and I I love that and I think that's a beautiful moment of of serendipity that I would ask you about that and then that would happen to be your pick Ricky that's uh, very cunning I feel very cunning Oh my god it changed yeah. again Your shirt is red now your shirt is blue <laughs> Man walks down the street in a hat like that people know he's not, not afraid, afraid of anything, of anything. yep <laughs> Josh, if you don't mind, share Ricky D's quote with us for the week. What the hell is she doing? Pretty sure she's saving our asses. Yeah, so this is my pick. Uh, one, it, it had a little bit of comedy in it. Uh, and it's also the moment where Spike really kind of aligns himself with Faye. The entire episode, he's been dying to shoot her. She's been stealing his ship. She's been stealing his dog. She's been rifling through his crap. And he's been just ready to get rid of this problem. Uh, But now, all of a sudden, (laughs) there's a new problem coming his way. And Faye is the solution. So it's just this nice little alteration in their relationships. Even though they're, you know, not exactly next to each other, talking to each other. They're still, Spike is recognizing her intent and recognizing that she's being a part of the team. Yeah. yeah, and it almost feels like he's going, oh, she has been trying to do that the whole time, dude. Like, I think we screwed up. And I, I feel like you might get a note of that in Cho's performance at the end, right? He's like, I, I just wanted to leave you for dead. Jet said we should go back for you. That's him covering by going, you know, I, you saved my life. I had to come yeah. back for you. Like, he's he's covering it's, and being It's the least macho, we could do, I, I guess. Yeah, it's that is an excellent pick for excellent reasons, Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. I like that a lot. Josh, my friend, share with us your pick for this week's MoFinder One Liner. You know what's cool about losing your life? You get to build a new one. Who, buddy? So this came out in November. Um, this whole series came out in November, and it was very close to a period in my life that. Uh, was very very like that line hit really hard you know um watching the show and uh, you know i like to watch shows in like a good mood and i'm like doing things and then that mm, that that what he says right there just destroyed me for a minute like i had to pause the show and like recollect myself because there was you know a period in time in the last few months where i lost everything every every everything and i've had to start over from scratch like a little peek into my personal life you know it's i've had to literally start over from scratch and it just kind of was a good reassurance you know that like hey man i I, you know i did go through a bunch of bullshit but 
I get to start a whole bunch of new bullshit that's even cooler. And it it hit me again, like watching it, you know, for this show. Like every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's my John Chomet of of the show for sure. Because it's it's really, really like it hits hard for just personal reasons and stuff. And it's it's it was it's good. It's good to be reassured. <laughs> <laughs> if I may, Josh. As a as a longtime friend and a person who has watched you uh, be willing to start over more than once in your life, and not always because you were put in that place by your own choice or actions, you have bounced back in a way that is huge. Oh, and thanks. we are <laughs> we in the network are hugely proud thanks. of you. And I I gotta tell you, man. To even have you here tonight and for the last three weeks has been great for my heart. I'm, I'm just from a place of pure. Dude, I can, get, I can get knocked down a little bit, but I'm not going to stay down. Come on. You... <laughs> You'll get up again. You'll get up again. Yeah. Chumbo Wumbo. We will. We're never going to keep <laughs> What is found family for if not moments like this, Indeed. my friends? Josh, if you don't mind, play my pick for no finer one-liner this week. Somebody had to do it. <laughs> right? Like, no finer one-liner in the series. Possibly. Probably, I just, like, yeah. I, I, like, showed my wife this clip. Like, she doesn't care. Like, she's beyond supportive. She has watched episodes of things that she has no interest in just because I asked her to. She's beyond sweet. She's nothing but helpful. And I showed her this intro just to get her to that point. And she went, haven't you seen this part of this episode, like, ten times? <laughs> And I went, well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm writing notes for this week's show. And she goes, but is it also maybe your favorite episode? And I went, I'm not sure. And if it is, it might just be for that moment. <laughs> I like it's it's so relatable. Right. It's it's she could have dropped an F-bomb there. She could have done any number of things. She could have fired her entire clip into the air and gone, ah, <laughs> but she didn't. She just she went, bah! <laughs> and it was perfect and it smash cuts into the theme song in a perfect way i just and that word that word has been in your vocabulary as a swear word since we were in like eighth grade so at least <laughs> at least and and i just yeah i i can't it was one of it's like i said it's one of my favorite moments in the whole series honestly and it's it's so human it's comedic <laughs> it's dramatic it's all of those things. She's bleeding from the shoulder. She's in an opera dress. Her hair is freaking purple. Like, it's absurd in so many ways. Oh, yeah. And that, I think, is what makes it just a distillation of Faye into a single moment, especially live action Faye, right? And, and Faye is Bay. And I don't think that's ever going to change. <laughs> now, we have one more thing that we do every week here at Sudden But Inevitable before we wrap it up and get out of here. That thing, of course, is to give the show, well, the episode itself, a rating out of 10. John T. Bowles, as our guest, please, if you don't mind, let's have you go first. What is your rating out of 10, my friend? I'll give this episode, I'll give this an 8 out of 10. This is a good episode of Cowboy Bebop. It's a fantastic episode of just TV. This is a good episode. It's a fun episode, and it shows... Just genuine range and genuine heart. So, yeah, I'll give it an eight out of eight out of ten. 
I like it. I really, really like it. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. What have you got, my friend? I think I've got to go nine. We're all raving over this episode. It had everything. It has Corgi Butts, which everybody knows I love. Corgi Butts uh, drive me nuts. Faye was, you know, an integral character, and I've been just having a love affair with her this this season, this series. Uh, nine out of ten. It's great. I love it. What do you got, Josh? Um, God. I originally wrote down 8.5, but I'm going to go to a 9. I'm going to go to a 9. Just just because of, you know, that one that one line. That one line seals this one yeah. for me. And I know that I have a 10 later on in the in the season. I I, I try to keep <laughs> I try alert. to keep my 10s a little close to the vest because I I used to just hand those out like candy and now it's I realize that not every episode deserves that. Um but you know, uh, yeah, a 9. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Philip in the chat asks, are we still doing phrasing? <laughs> I, you guys, I can't not give this a 10. This, for, because of how I am, it, it, I have so much fun with this episode. Like, I, I could watch just this episode over and over. I won't because I love the whole series. But the energy, the pure, just manic craziness, it's maximum bebop. Yeah. And and I know that John, you don't have that that you know OG series to pull from, but I'm going to tell you this is that like okay. it's it's insanity, it's jazzy, it's so many intentions, it's full of noir, it's full of tropes, it's full of just strange execution of things you've seen before, but in a different way. And for me, that makes it a ten out of ten. I think this might actually be my favorite episode. It's difficult for me to pick one out i'm not quite as bad as ricky d with firefly but i i do think this is my favorite episode and that actually gives us a 36 out of 40 wow for this episode which is a 90 an even 90 percent i would say that's accurate i would say this so. yeah compared to your other ratings and, and i have i will say i have i've been impressed with your ratings over the last three episodes i'm like okay we're coming in at solid c's and those are fair solid c's so i'm glad to i hear appreciate that from an outside perspective, it really helps yeah. me to know that we don't seem just like blatant, you know. No, you you love the you love the episodes <laughs> and you forgive a lot, but it, it, when it comes time to your ratings, they keep coming in in the seventies. Like, okay, they're they're not, you know. <laughs> and yeah. and the to be clear, the IMDb ratings on most of the episodes are about in that range yeah. where they're like you know low seventies, high seventies, depending on the episode. I think this is one of the higher ones. I think this one's a seven four. I'm not a hundred percent, but. I yeah I for me this is the example right so like if I if there was somebody that I knew had seen the original series and they're like I refuse to watch the live action series I'd be like All right, check out Callisto Soul and if you still feel that way then whatever but we can't be friends anymore <laughs> so you guys I think that's basically it as far as our segments go and our ship's business goes so I think the next thing that we have on our agenda for the evening is to ask our wonderful friend, producer John T. Bolds of Green Shirt and Newbie's Trek Through the Next Generation, if the good folks out there would like to get more John or more Green Shirt in their lives, what are the best places they can do that? Uh, you can follow Green Shirt on Twitter at GreenShirt87. You can follow Green Shirt on Instagram at Green Shirt Podcast, Facebook, Green Shirt Podcast as well. I believe that's being converted into a group uh, by Cameron. I'm personally on Twitter at John T. Bolds. And um, if you want to hear more of my thoughts on 
movies, TV, pop culture, whatnot, let me, uh, I'll, I'll get on your podcast and, uh, give you a fair shake for sure. Um, shout out to John Cho. He made a huge impact on the entire global lexicon with his, uh, star turning role in American pie, shouting milf, 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 and explaining <laughs> to the world what milf means. So we, uh, all owe him a debt of gratitude to that for turning that into something that is very, very common. God bless and, you, John uh, Cho. <laughs> absolutely. And, uh, one last shout out. Anybody who owns a spaceship, lock your damn doors. Mandalorian, lock your doors. Faye Valentine, Seriously? lock your doors. Malcolm Reynolds, lock your doors. The Enterprise is, you know, people tried to steal the Enterprise, but they had to sneak on. They had to work for it. You people just leaving your starships unlocked? Come on. You know whose starship never got stolen? Han Solo's. Well, but at least the Enterprise exists in a universe where there's no concept of money. So at least it, it makes sense for them to not be like worried about people taking it over. In every other, specifically in all the other properties you mentioned, money is like the driving factor yeah, in the yeah. entire universe. Just so yeah, walking it, away from your ship, like <laughs> yeah. Mando just leaving his door open all the damn time. Boba Fett leaving his door open. Like, come on, guys, lock your ship. World breakingly lazy. Yeah, I may say. <laughs> I and and I gotta say, I love Phil. And yes, Phil, the almost anybody in the world in, but there are some other folks in the later season who had to sneak in <laughs> phil do you remember why the binar snuck or or, or or no never mind they didn't sneak in they were invited in do you remember why they snuck the control of the ship over it's because if they had asked they might have said no i'm sorry i ruined the whole you didn't setup. Even give I'll him a chance to answer <laughs> no i ruined the setup that's why because it wouldn't have been funny so um our friend callie in the chat says thank you for coming on john it was super cool to have you here i gotta agree with her and i gotta let you know you're like in the Rolodex now, so thank you, thank you. Um, you uh, you had uh, Marcion recently talking Logan's run. Uh, she recommended Moon. I highly recommend Moon. I also I, I do want to watch that. Yeah. I, I showed that movie to my coworkers on night shift one night while we were up in the Arctic in the middle of nowhere in the middle of winter, and one of them turned to me at the end and he's like, "I don't get it." I'm like, "Oh my god, dude!" <sighs> <laughs> like, do you know the place we're at? That's that's that. So yeah. That movie's so good. Are you from the movie The Thing? <laughs> a little bit. I'm just, I have to ask because you've got a beard. You worked at an Arctic station. Yep. You're watching movies at night. Okay. Oh, just, yeah. I think it's a fair question. You got to do what you got to do to stay entertained. Yeah. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D, whose new episode, if I'm not mistaken, covers Don't Look Up. That's correct. Where can the good folks find more Ricky D? Uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Ricky D, or no, at Best Flicks Ricky D. And uh, if you want to track me down on Facebook, you might be able to, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. And I got to say, I still have not watched uh, Don't Look Up, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed your episode it on so it. Um, I think you and Ryan are really getting the uh, repartee down, and I feel like I can tell what you're going to think about movies before you watch them, so I really like that. Josh, my friend, tell us about Quest Me. Oh boy, so um, we got Quest Me. Uh, that's the Book of Boba Fett podcast. And that's almost over, actually. We only have two more episodes to go. So I have a couple ideas of what where I want to go after Quest Me, because Quest Me is just a Star Wars thing. So we uh, we might continue that one, but I might just take a break from that until Obi-Wan comes out in the summer, bring Quest Me back for that, and do something in the in-between. Um, I haven't quite decided what that is yet. I have a couple different options. So it's either going to be a music-centric show, where I'm talking to more musicians and artists, or I might do a a big Marvel show. 
I haven't decided yet. Either way, you can find me on Twitter at TwistMyArmCast. You can find me on Facebook. Just search for TwistMyArmPodcast. Um, we're also on YouTube. You know, that's how you're probably watching this show. But like us and subscribe on there if you haven't already. You can find me on Instagram. Just search TwistMyArmPodcast. And then we do have our website. Oh, my God. It's so close to being done. Like, I am so excited to share it with you guys and, like, post it all over everything because it's been a minute. It's been down for a little bit. And I, I just – we needed to do a little bit of revamping on there. And I'm extremely excited to to reveal it to you guys. I mean, it's there. You could find it, I guess. If you, if you tried hard enough, you could probably find the website – but mostly because I put it in the credits of last week's episode. So, um, Damn but yeah, that link, that link works. Um, our friend Callie in the live chat is the opposite of our friend Kedco in Canada. She says, man, I don't want to go to work now. Can we just continue this episode for the next six hours? We could, but there's editing to be done. There's television to be watched. You guys, I've been watching uh, peacemaker. I'm really enjoying oh, peacemaker man. on oh, HBO max yeah. way more than I expected. I mean, yes. Shout yeah, out absolutely. to James Gunn. Cause yeah. damn dude. Okay. I mean, it's no Jag. <laughs> I, I, ladies and gentlemen, Vampires in the live chat and listening out in podcast land. On behalf of my friends, I want to say thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you, Callie. Thank you, Rona. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Angelus. You, you folks, you just you really make every week better for us. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate having you with us. Thank you, Mal. Thank you, guys. I just having you guys here makes the show so much more fun because we have people to bounce ideas off of that have generally better ideas than us so we appreciate that and thank you and of course thank you john for being here is this your first time guesting on a podcast yeah yeah this well okay well, this is my first time guesting on a podcast that is still around i mean i was i was <laughs> early 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 podcasting days when they first came out with the term i was on a couple that have i'm sure gone gone with the dust but yeah this is my first guest spot on a modern podcast dude you crushed it. You, thank you. I feel honored. You're the, you're the Daniela Pineda of podcasting. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank that, you. Dang, because wow. So, for sudden but inevitable, I have been Jesse. I have been John. This is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. And I'm Josh. See you, legally sanctioned interplanetary vigilante. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them. need meat in my life.